do a great job, Miss Lord and Miss Gay. Do a great job. My chapter, chapter, chapter in your, in your Bibles, Bibles. And I'm going to bring a message to you on a little bit of a different type subject today. But I believe that this is the message that God wants me to bring. And uh, I don't uh, know exactly why. And it was often the case. I don't know why I preach. preach. I don't know why I preach. And it was often the case. And it was often the case. And it was often the case. Notice verse number seven. Notice the wording and the language that God uses us here. Verse number seven. He said, How shall I pardon thee for this? Thy children have forsaken me and sworn by them that are no gods. When I had fed them to the full, they then committed adultery and assembled themselves by troops in the harlots' houses. He said, They were as fed horses in the morning, everyone neighed after his neighbor's wife. Shall I not visit for these things, saith the Lord? And shall not my soul be avenged on such a nation as this? Now I want you to notice especially verse number 10. He said, go ye upon her walls and, what did he tell him to do? Destroy. Go ye upon her walls and destroy. But I want you to notice this little phrase. But make not. A full end. Take away her battlements, for they are, they are not the Lord's. For the house of Israel and the house of Judah have dealt very treacherously against me, saith the Lord. They have belied the Lord and said, It is not he. Neither shall evil come upon us, neither shall we see sword nor famine. And the prophets shall become wind, and the word is not in them. Thus shall it be done unto them. Wherefore, thus saith the Lord God of hosts, Because ye speak this word, Behold, I will make my words in thy mouth fire, and this people would, and it shall devour them. Lo, I will bring a nation upon you from far. O house of Israel, saith the Lord, it is a mighty nation. It is an ancient nation, a nation whose language thou knowest not. Neither understandest what they say. Their quiver is an open sepulcher. They are all mighty men. Now watch closely, church. God says, I'm going to bring this nation upon you. And he said, look what they're going to do. In verse number 17, he said, And they shall eat up thine harvest and thy bread, which thy sons and thy daughters should eat. They shall eat up thy flocks and thine herds. They shall eat up thy vines and thy fig trees. They shall impoverish thy fenced cities wherein thou trustedest with the sword. Oh, I love the next word. Nevertheless. In those days, saith the Lord, I will not make a full end with you. Well, I don't know if you know it or not, but we just read a tremendous blessing. Nevertheless, in those days, saith the Lord, I will not make a full end with you. You may be seated this morning, and let me talk to you just for a few minutes on that subject, why God seldom 
gives up on people. Let's, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for everything that's been done thus, done thus far in the service. Lord, and Lord, Lord, right now I plead the blood of Jesus Christ over this creature. And God, I pray that you would, Lord, keep the power of darkness out. God, God, I pray, pray, pray that your blessings would be, be, be very, 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 very present in this place. We pray for your presence in the service today. That's the difference. That, that, that they'll make the, the difference except for build the house. They lay in vain that build it, build it, except that, that the, the spirit of the, 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 the holy one, one can come down. All will be in vain. And, and, so, and so, Lord, I pray, pray bless, 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 bless your presence with your presence. And God, and God, I pray, pray that you'll use this message in whatever way you want to use it. And I pray that you'll save the lost. God, I pray now you'll direct our thoughts and our words. And we just thank you for your blessing. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we pray and for his sake. And all God's gospel said, amen. Boy, I love the book of Jeremiah. What a great book the book of Jeremiah was. They say about Jeremiah that Jeremiah was the weeping prophet. And he preached faithfully to Judah. And some have suggested that Jeremiah had not one convert all the time that he preached. Not one person listened to his message. And yet, yet Jeremiah preached the message that God had for him faithfully. He preached that message. I'll be honest. He is, he is a, uh, a challenge and encouragement to all preachers today. And, uh, but Jeremiah's message was a very unpopular message. And because Jeremiah's message was not return. Jeremiah's message to the people of God was too late. It's too late to return. You see, there were other prophets that God sent on the scene that said to Judah, return to the Lord. Repent. Turn to God. Turn to God. Return to the Lord. Return to the Lord. The Lord will return to you. But that was not Jeremiah's message. Jeremiah's message was too late. Jeremiah's message was God gave chance after chance after chance after chance. And now judgment's coming. You can imagine that that was not a message that Judah wanted to hear. In fact, the Bible tells us very clearly, and we'll talk about that a little, little bit more tonight in the service, but the Bible tells us that the prophets of Judah were prophesying, but they were prophesying falsely. And their message was everything's okay. And God's not going to judge you. And everything's going to be all right. And God loves you. And God did love them. No, make no mistake about that. God loved them, uh, loved them so much. But their message was that God's not going to send judgment. And God's a God of love. And God's a God of mercy. And God is going to give us mercy. And Jeremiah stepped on the scene and said, too late. God is going to judge us. There's no turning that away now. But here's what God says to do in the judgment. Here, here's God's advice and what we can do when the judgment comes. And God said, if you do what I tell you to do, even though the judgment is come, you, you know what? Your life will be spared. God is saying to Judah, I am going to judge you. It's a done deal. That's the message of Jeremiah. We notice there in verse number 17, he said this. He said, your harvest is going to be given to others. He said, Judah, others are going to eat the bread that you take the time to bake. He said, you're going to go out and you're going to cut the barley. And he said, you're going to cut the wheat. And he said, you're going to, you're going to go through all the process. And he said, you're going to bake the bread. But he said, you're not going to eat it. Somebody else is going to eat it. An enemy is going to eat your bread. He said, the food that you want to supply for your children, 
will not be eaten by your children, but it will be eaten by an enemy. Your flocks would be, will be devoured by the enemy, and your fenced cities are going to fall to the oppressor. But I love this part. Nevertheless. Nevertheless. Uh, God said to Judah, I'm not done with you all together. You'll notice verse 18 again. I just love to read it. I've read it many times this week, but I love to read it. Verse 18, nevertheless, in those days, what days? Days of judgment. In those days when the oppressor comes in, in those days when the enemy takes over, nevertheless, in those days, saith the Lord, I will not make a full end with you. You know what God is saying here, Calvary? God is saying to Judah, I'm going to discipline you. There's no way out of that. I'm going to discipline you, but in mercy, I'm not going to destroy you. What is God saying to Judah? God is saying, I'm going to graze you, but in mercy, I'm not going to give up on you altogether. Now, you say, preacher, is that important? It's pretty important. Because the truth is, and this is not a politically correct message anymore, but the truth is there are times when God does give up. There are times when God does give up on a person, or if I could say it like this, there are times when God gives a person up. Uh, uh, the, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse number 16, you don't have to turn there, but the Bible would at least uh, seem to imply that God has a limit. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 16, there is a sin unto death. There is a sin unto death. I remind you again, you don't have to turn there, but in Matthew chapter 15, verse number 14, when Jesus talked about the Pharisees, this is what he said, let them alone. He said, they be blind leaders of the blind, and if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. Disciples, just leave them alone. They're not gonna be turned. They're not going to repent. They're not going to get right. And so God said, leave them alone. Did you know there are times in Scripture and there are times in society when a God that is a God of amazing love and mercy does give up? Now, I want you to hold your finger there at Jeremiah chapter 5, but I felt like it was important to show you this. I want you to take your Bibles this morning, and I want you to turn to the book of Romans with me, if you would. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. And I want you to look at verse number 22 with me, if you will. Uh, please understand that it takes a lot for God to give someone up, but, but Romans chapter 1 and verse number 22, the Bible says there, professing themselves to be wise. He's talking about this worldly system. Uh, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Verse 23, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and forfeited beasts and creeping things. In other words, they didn't want to worship God they want to worship the creator. They want to worship the creation. Verse 24, wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who's blessed forever, amen. Now look at verse 26. For this cause, the Bible says God gave them up unto what kind of affections? Vile affections. Vile affections. Now, now, church, this isn't very popular preaching anymore, but we still need to preach it. And, and whether it's politically correct, it's scripturally correct, 
And whether this is the message of most pastors or preachers nowadays, it is the, it is the message that ought to be the message of preachers nowadays. And God said, there is a group of people that I'm going to give up to vile affections. And then God goes on to explain what these vile affections are. Amen. Verse 26. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another. You say, preacher, is that saying what I think it's saying? Well, God goes on to make it even clearer. He said, men with men, working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, here it is, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. And so God says, you know what? When you become involved in that kind of immorality, that homosexuality, that homosexual sin, uh, and, and you're not willing to turn, will God save a homosexual? Yes. He will. Uh, should we love someone that, well, that's involved in the sin of homosexuality or for that matter, immorality? And the answer is yes. We not only should love them, we do love them at Calvary Baptist Church. But the Bible says this, that if they continue in that sinfulness and continue in that way of life, that the Bible says there will come a time when God, who's a God of mercy and a God of love, that God will finally give them over to a reprobate mind. And so God does have a limit. Boy, that's not, again, people don't like that anymore, but, it, but, it, it's, it, but it's in the Word of God. God has a limit. There does come a time when God says, that's enough. That's enough. I've given you chance after chance and opportunity after opportunity. I, I, I've allowed you to repent. I've sent you the, sent you the message. I, I've extended my love. Now, if you're here this morning and you've been involved in some kind of immoral sin, I'm glad to tell you that there is a God of mercy and there's a God of, of love and a God of forgiveness that will forgive you and restore you and cleanse you. And you can get down on this altar this morning and get it right with Jesus. And you can walk out that door clean and you can walk out that door right and you can go on and serve God and God will use you but I'm just saying this that there are some times when God says I'm going to give you up but I'm glad I can say this church that's not the norm this is, this is if you will this is God's atomic bomb God, God usually is a God that continues to extend mercy and I want to give you this morning why does God seldom give up on people. I don't know who needs this message today, but I believe this is what God has for us. How about this? Why does God seldom give up on, on people? Number one, because God has created us. God's created us. Now, again, I got a lot of scripture this morning. I'm not going to have you turn to all these, but just listen to this. Genesis chapter one, verse number 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created him, he, him, male, and female created he them. Did you know that you are created in the image of God? Did you know that? Did you know that God made you? Now, you say, preacher, why are you getting so excited? Because that's something to get excited about. God made you. And by the way, God made you how he wanted to make you. 
God doesn't make any junk and God didn't have any, you know, God didn't have any machines break down in heaven when he was making you. Uh, you know what? You are how God wanted you to be. If you've got blue eyes, God wanted you to have blue eyes. If you have blonde hair, I don't know why, but God wanted you to have blonde hair. If you have no hair, but, uh, whatever, listen, however you're short or tall, you are, uh, you know, whatever it might be. Listen, God made you the way he made you. Uh, some of you have some of you have longer noses than others. Others of you have noses that are closer to your face. And someone says, boy, I wish my nose wasn't long. That's how God made you. Some of you have ears that stay real close to your, your, your head. Others have you have ears that stick out. And somebody says, look at that kid. His ears stick out. That's how God made him. How God made him. Oh, look at that kid. He's a redhead. That's how God made him. Oh, look at that person. They got black. That's how God made him. And, uh, and so you are a creation of God. The Bible says in Isaiah 43, 7, even everyone that is called by, by my name, for I have created him for my glory. I have formed him, yea, I have made him. By the way, can I say this real quickly? If you are a male, God didn't mess up. God made you a man on purpose. And if you are a female, be thankful and grateful that you're a female. God made you what he wanted to make you, and he did not make any mistakes. But how about this, church? He not only created us, but he bought us. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, What? Know ye not. That your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. Listen to this. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God. Listen, why does God hardly ever give up on people? Because God made you. That's why. God made you, and God made you exactly like, like, like he wanted you. And oh my good, I, I thought about this little story. They said this little boy went and, he, and he, he worked and worked, worked all these little side jobs and mowed yards and raked leaves and he saved his money and saved his money and he bought a kit to build a, to build a little a sailboat. Man, he finally got the, enough money together and he got that, ordered that kit and the kit came in the mail and I mean just meticulously, little by little, he put that sailboat together I mean, every little piece in its, in its place. And, and he put the mast on there and the sails and all that kind of thing. He painted it just perfectly. And after he got it all done, he thought, you know, I'm going to go out and I'm going to sail my boat. He went out on a certain day. The wind was blowing some, maybe a little harder than he thought. He put that boat on the water and sure enough, it, it floated. And not only floated, but it sailed. But the wind got a hold of the sail and it took the, the boat out into the deep water where the little boy couldn't get to it and the boat just literally sailed off into the sunset. He was so heartbroken. He lost his little boat. He lost it. It was days and days later. Are you listening? It was days and days later. He was walking downtown, the little town where he lived, and he went by the little hobby store there, the little toy store, and he noticed in the picture window that his boat was in the window. And he stopped and he said, that's my boat. That's my boat. Man, he bolted into the end of the store and he said, sir, he said, that's my boat. I want my boat. I want my boat. And the guy said, sir, he said, son, I'm sorry. He said, uh, uh, somebody, uh, I bought that boat from somebody. And, and, uh, and he, he said, no, that's my boat. He said, I'm sorry. He said, you can't have that boat. 
He said, you can buy it, but you can't have it. That little boy went back out, man. He started raking leaves and mowing yards and working side jobs. And, and finally, 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 he saved enough money. And, and he, he came back to that little hobby store and he walked in and he put that change up there on the counter. And he said, sir, I've got enough. I've got enough. I want to buy that boat. And the man went to the little picture window and got that boat out and, and handed that sailboat to that little boy. And they said he walked out the door and he said, I built you. But now they said, I bought you. And he said, you're mine forevermore. And I want to tell you what, buddy. He not only built me, but he bought me. And I'm his forevermore. Listen, why does God seldom give up on people? Because he created us. That's why. Amen. Hey, listen, think about this, church. Think about this. Did you know when, when, it, when something is yours, when you possess it, when, when, when you possess the ownership, did you know it means more to you? Did you know that? Brother Gary was bragging. I mean, just bragging this morning. You should have been here. It was sickening. He was bragging about his grandchild. I mean, just bragging. Now, Brother Gary worked. He worked with kids all of his life. And Brother Gary loves grandchildren. But I can guarantee you something. He loves one grandchild more than others. You know why? Because it's his. You know what? We're all concerned about children. You know, there were a lot of little girls in America that broke their arm this week. But I was especially concerned about one by the name of Taylor who broke her arm this week. You know why? She's mine. She's mine. You know why you don't stay up all night long worrying and fretting about uh, other people's kids that are going down a wrong path? But you'll stay up all night and weep and cry and pray about your children that are going down the wrong. You know why? Because they're yours. They're yours. They're, am, am I making sense? They're yours. You know why? You know why you're, cons you know what? You don't care if others come in in their cars and they've got, you know, Mountain Dew cans crumpled up in the floorboard and they've got last year's dirt and uh, Bojangles biscuits, crumbs laying in the floor and, uh, They've got coffee stains on the seats. And why are some of y'all bowing your heads this morning? Uh, you don't care if they want to come in. It's free, free country. And you don't care about that. But you know what? Not your car. Not your car. Uh, you know what? You don't want people eating their Bojangles biscuit in your car or you're the kind of person that, that vacuums your car on a regular basis. You're the kind of person that washes your car on a regular basis. You're the kind of person that waxes your car on a regular basis. You know why? It's yours. It's yours. It's why you may not mow the yard down the road, but you mow your yard. Why? Because it's yours. It's yours. You see, when you possess ownership of something, it makes it special. Oh, my soul. Hey, you know why God doesn't give up on me? And you know why God doesn't give up on you? Because you're his. Amen. You're his. You're his. He not only built you, but thank God he bought you. I don't want to get off this point, but, I, but man, there's so much here. Hey, think about this. Because God created us, you know what that means, church? He knows our limitations. Amen. Can I show you some of the greatest scripture you'll ever read in your life? Would you take your Bible, turn to the book of Psalms? The book of Psalms, would you look please with me at Psalms 103? Psalms 103. And would you look at verse number eight? Somebody says, preacher, I wonder why God uh, is just so merciful toward me. 
Well, because he made you, he knows you. Psalm 103, verse number 8, the psalmist says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. In other words, God has a limit. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Watch now. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Here it is. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him for, here it is, church, for he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. In other words, I mess up. I mean, I really mess up. And I go to the Lord and I say, Lord, I don't understand why you don't even just give up on me. And God says, because I know what you're made of. He said, I'm the one that put you together. I'm the one that, that created every fiber of your body. I'm the one that made your mind. I'm the one that made your wants. I'm the one that made your desires. I'm the one that made you like you are. I know you because he knows us. Thank God. He knows our limitations. Hey, boy, he doesn't give up on us because, thank God, he created us. Why doesn't God give up on people? How about this, number two, because God has compassion on us. Now, this goes right along with the last, last point, really, but I want you to take your Bibles this morning, if you will, and turn to the book of Lamentations. The book of Lamentations. The book of Lamentations is a little tiny book right between Jeremiah and Ezekiel. Lamentations. Now, I want you to look with me, please. Oh, my. At chapter 3, and look at verse number 22. Lamentations chapter 3 and verse number 22. The Bible says it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Hey, Calvary, look at this. Because his compassions fail not. Are y'all ready for verse 23? Can y'all take it this morning? Can you take it this morning? He said they are new every day. Uh, verse 23, they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. If I understand the word of God right, that means this. His mercies and compassions are new every single day. Every day I get up, the slate's clean. Or it can be. It can be. If I mess up, now if you hold on to it or cover it, that's a different story. But if I realize I've done wrong, I go to my God and I say, God, I messed up today. God, I shouldn't have done that. God, I shouldn't have acted like that. I was wrong. I shouldn't have treated them like that. God, I, I shouldn't have said that. God, I shouldn't have looked at that. Lord, I was wrong. God, I was wrong. I want you to, I want you to forgive me. Did you know I can get up the next day and the slate is completely wiped clean? His mercies are new and his compassions are new every day. I remember, it is something how there's so much we forgot as little kids. But there are, uh, there are, you know, my mom and dad were asking me the other day, they said, you remember when we did this in California? We used to live out there. They said, you remember when, when we did this? And I said, mom, dad, I don't, I don't remember anything. And we forget so many things about 
you know, our life because of our childhood. But how many know this, that there are a few things that some reason they are indelibly imprinted up here on this computer. I, I remember we were at the dinner table and, uh, and my daddy was just sort of a no-nonsense kind of guy. And uh, we had a good time. Don't get me wrong. We had a good time in our family, but we didn't talk off color at the table and didn't act like a bunch of fools. By the way, it wouldn't hurt us to get back to that again. Daddy sat in his place. Mama sat in her place. We all sat in our places, and we acted like we had some sense at the, at the dinner table. And by the way, we had a dinner table back then. And we were sitting around the table eating, and I said something stupid. I did. It wasn't dirty. It was just stupid. And you know how, how it is, your brothers and sisters, they start laughing about it. And so then you say something uh, more stupid to try to get them to laugh more. And it wasn't dirty, but it was, vul- it was just vulgar at the dinner table. It's not the kind of thing you want to talk about at the dinner time. I'm not going to tell you what it was. But, I, but it's just not the kind of thing you talk about at the dinner table. And I can't remember exactly, but I think my dad went, get up from the table and wait for me in your room. You say, what did that mean? That meant judgment day had come. That's what that meant. Uh, that's exactly right. That, that didn't mean sit there for a little while. That didn't mean finish your peas or your macaroni. That meant get up immediately and go to your bedroom. I got up. I got up, you know, as a kid. And instantaneously, the waterworks turned on. Dad didn't, even have, Dad didn't even have to spank you, man. I mean, it's just, you know, that was part of the punishment right there. And I remember as a kid, I don't know why I even remember all this, but I remember as a kid going there, <laughs> you know, and man, I'm just crying. And I went there, and I remember going to my bedroom, and I remember sitting behind the door. And I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know if I was hoping that maybe later when Dad came and opened the door, opened the door that maybe I would be, you know, hid behind the door and Dad would say, oh, he must be gone. You know, I, I don't know what I was thinking, but I was sitting behind the door and, man, I was emotional. And Dad waited. It seemed like Dad waited for three years before he came. I didn't know my dad knew anything about psychological warfare, but he did. And he waited forever. I mean, they finished dinner and cleaned up the dishes. And, and, uh, and, and so I'm emotional. I'm sitting behind the door. And I just, I fell asleep. I was a little kid. I fell asleep. I remember my dad. I could hear his footsteps. Dad was coming down the hallway. And I remember that door opening up. And daddy looking, scanning the room. And he looked behind the ordinary was. And daddy could see that I had been very emotional and that I was repentant about what I had done, what I had said. I thought Daddy was going to spank me for sure that day. And Daddy would make us, Daddy would make us lay across the bed and he'd spank us and he'd always give us that speech. He'd say, now son, this hurts me worse than it hurts you. He did, he gave us that. I've heard him say that and I thought, yeah, let's trade places, amen. I thought Dad was going to spank me. He turned around and he looked at me. Here's this little boy. I'm, lay, I'm, I'm laying behind the door there. He noticed I, I had tear-stained cheeks. I'd been crying. And You know what my daddy done, preacher? He picked me up. <laughs> There's so much about my childhood I don't remember, but I remember this. He picked me up. 
And he walked me out to the back porch, and we had a swing, a back porch swing. It had rained that day. And me and Dad sat in the swing, and we swung. I remember that. You say, why are you telling that story? <laughs> How many times? How many times have I... Have I messed up and blew it and, and stumbled and failed and disappointed him and disobeyed him and was rebellious and had a bad attitude and God, the God of the universe got on me and rebuked me but I had a repentant spirit and I thought judgment was on the way but how many times did a loving God walk in and pick me up and dust me off and went on our way together in fellowship? Brother, I want to tell you what, what a God, what a God, what a God we served today. Why does God not give up on us? Why does God seldom give up on people? Number one, because God created us. But number two, because God has compassion on us. Let's bring this thing to a close. Why does God seldom give up on people? Number three, because God has a cause for us. Acts 26, 16, But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Ephesians 1, verse 11. In whom we also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his will. I have at my house... I have an electronics junk box. I actually have two. But I have one that's bigger than the other one. It has everything in there. Wires, cables, coaxial cables, phone chargers, old cell phones. I mean old cell phones. I mean, I'm talking about antiques. Old cell phone chargers, uh, everything. Every once in a while, my wife will say, do you have to keep all that stuff? Amen. And I'll say, leave your hands off my electronic junk. No, I don't, I don't say that. But she does say, do you have to keep all that? And I'll say, honey, yes, I do. Why do you need to keep all that? That's exactly right. Because I might need it. You see, there's something in that junk box and we're probably going to have a use for it. The other day, you ladies quit acting so hypocritical and fair sick out there. I felt that smirk. I felt that. I'm glad you laughed before this illustration. Amen. Tim and Hannah came over to the house the other day with Moses. And Hannah said, Dad, look what we found. They bought this little uh, car, this like a little Jeep thing, you know, one of these little motorized uh, battery-powered cars. It was cool. It was awesome. They said, we found this thing, and, and, and Dad, you wouldn't believe what we found it for. We got a great uh, a deal on it. The only thing is, didn't come with a charger. I said, hang on just a minute. Hang on just a minute. I ran out to my electronics junk box. I pulled the top off. I started yanking wires out. Hey, hey, I walked in there. I said, try this. Sure enough, the little light came on. I said, yeah, that's right. Uh-uh-uh, ladies, all right, that's right. 
Now, wait a minute. What's your point, preacher? My point is those, those, some of those cables have a use. We're done, we're done this morning. Did you know why God doesn't give up on you? God has a purpose for you. And there may be a few here this morning that have taken a wrong turn or got off course or messed, messed some things up and, and, and the devil comes and the devil's a liar and the devil says, you're done. You're done. You're done. You're toast. You're done. You're history. God will never use you. But you know what God does? God takes you and puts you in that glorified electronics junk box. And all of a sudden, one day, the God of the universe opens up that top and he says, hey, I got to work for you. I got a job for you. I got a purpose for you. And thank God, he doesn't give up on us. <laughs> Anybody else having a good time this morning? The truth is most of us would have given up on a guy named Mel Trotter. You say, preacher, who was Mel Trotter? Mel Trotter was a, what the world would call a hopeless drunk. He was a drunkard. He was so hooked on, on alcohol and they said that that he would get off on a drunk and he would come home and he would weep and he would cry and he'd tell his wife, honey, I'll never drink again. But in less than 24 hours, he'd be drunk again. This has been many, many, many years ago. They said that their little baby got sick. His wife came to Mel Trotter. She said, no, honey, she said, this is the last little bit of money we've got in the house. And she said, we've got to have medicine for our baby. She put that last little bit of money in Mel Trotter's hand. Mel Trotter's on his way to the pharmacy or the drugstore or what they would have called the druggist back then to get that medicine, maybe penicillin for his little baby, but on his way, the urge hit him. And Mel Trotter thought, if I could just have a little bit more alcohol, and Mel Trotter took the money for his baby's medicine and spent it on cheap liquor and was drunk again. His baby died. And, I, and they tell the story about how Mel Trotter came to the funeral home, an old sot, an old drunkard in his own filth, like an old street vagabond. Mel Trotter walked in and no doubt people saw him and shunned him and thought, I can't even believe that he would even show his face here. And they said that Mel Trotter was so steeped in sin that when he came by the little baby casket there where his own little baby lie, they said that Mel Trotter reached down to give his little baby a kiss on the face. And as he did, he slipped his hand into the casket and slipped the shoes off of the baby's feet and took those little baby shoes and stuck them in his coat and said, the baby won't need them. He took the shoes off of his own dead baby's body and pawned them, they said, for a cheap bottle of Muscatel wine so he could get drunk again. You know what? Just like it always happens, he hit the bottom. He got on a freight train going to Chicago, Illinois in January. And his idea was, I'm going to jump into the icy Lake Michigan and I'm going to commit suicide. Some of our people have been there. We've been there. On his way down to the Lake, uh, Lake Michigan is not very far from State Street. Mel Trotter, an old drunk, was walking down State Street on his way to Lake Michigan, and he went by a place called Pacific Garden Mission. 
Gospel music was playing. They still do it to this day. People are outside passing out gospel tracts and saying, would you like to come in for a hot meal and a time of fellowship and music and, and, and the word of God? And somebody came to Mel Trotter and said, said, sir, why don't you come in? We have a meal for you. And they kept on and finally Mel Trotter said, okay. And Mel Trotter came to the Pacific Garden Mission and for the first time he heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Mel Trotter gave his life to Christ. And God cleaned him up. Not only did God save him, but God transformed his life. Mel Trotter started a huge mission work in Grand Rapids, Michigan and began to reach harlots and prostitutes and drug addicts and alcoholics by the scores and scores and scores, bringing them in and telling them the story of Jesus and started missions all across America. Now, wait a minute now. Most of us would have said, man, just give up on him. But God said, I've got a work for him to do. I've got a purpose for him. I don't have any idea who I'm preaching to this morning. But I just feel like there's a reason God had me preach this. You're here this morning, and maybe this week you messed up, and and uh, and you 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 done something you shouldn't have done, and Satan came to you, and Satan said you're done. God's never going to use you again. I just came here today to tell you this: that if you'll come and get it right with the Lord, God will put His hand of blessing back on your life again, and God will use you. That's right. And by the way, God will not only use you; He'll take you to new levels, and God will use you in a great way. Thank God he is a God of compassion. Now, you know, uh, the devil comes, the devil says, boy, nobody's going nobody's gonna to forgive you now. And truth is, others may not, but God will. God will forgive. Maybe today you need to claim that forgiveness. Maybe today there's somebody here that needs to say, Lord, I want you to use me. God, I, wa- I want to have a purpose. Is there any way you can use me? Is there any way you can use my voice? any way you can use my testimony? God wants to use you today. Would you bow your heads with me all over the house this morning? Father, I thank you so much. Lord, while I'm preaching, trying to encourage others, you're encouraging me. God, I want to thank you for this time that we've had together today and thank you for reminding us of the great God of compassion and mercy that you are. Yes, you are God of judgment. And there does come a time when you will say, that's enough. But Lord, thank God it's seldom. Father, maybe there's somebody here this morning. And today they just need to tiptoe down to this old-fashioned altar and seal a decision with the Lord. Nobody knows what their decision is and nobody needs to know. But Lord, I pray they'll come. I pray they'll come. Lord, it could be that there may be somebody here today that, that, that thought that God would never save them but help them to realize that Jesus will save them today. And I pray that they'll come and let us take the Bible and show them how to be saved. Now our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. And real quickly before we go, I wonder if there may be one here today who would say, Pastor, if I died today, I'm not 100% sure that I would go to heaven and I want you to pray for me. Is there one like that anywhere this morning? You'd let me pray for you. You'd say, preacher, I'm just not sure about heaven. I want you to pray for me. You'd slip your hand up. Is there one anywhere that I could pray for? All right, all right. I see a couple young hands there. Is there anybody else this morning, preacher, you pray for me? Pray for me. All right. I'm going to pray for these. I'm going to pray for these. Hey, church, 
You've heard the message. What is it that, that God has spoke to your heart about today and that you need to claim? Whatever it is, man, come get it today. Several have already made their way to the altar, but maybe there's others that ought to come and join these. And so we're going to stand all over the house today. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, and, uh, and uh, the pianist will play. Father, I pray you'll have your way in this invitation. Lord, thank you that you're not a God that gives up on us easily. Thank you, Lord, that your compassions and your mercies are new every day. Thank you that there's a clean slate. God, I pray, whoever, I just, I feel like for some reason, God, I feel like, Lord, although you just encouraged me so greatly today, and I believe you encouraged some others, but I really believe, Lord, that maybe, just maybe, you had somebody pinpointed today. Lord, there was somebody you had me preach this message for. God, they just felt like that, Lord, there was no way you'd use them again. And Father, today, I pray that you'd help them to realize that you're not done. God, if they're willing to have the right spirit about it, you're not done. Have thy way in the remainder of the invitation, please, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. The pianist will play, and if you need to come, listen, the altar's open. A number of folks have used the altar, but maybe there's others that ought to come. What about it? We're going to pause just for a moment, and you come while we wait.